BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. For the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Just going to start off with a little, little presidential trolling. And good on the president. Look, uh, taking a lot of shots. Time to give a little bit out. A little, little bit back. Uh, at, on his Twitter account, uh, Joe Biden put out, uh, just like we drew it up, and a picture of, well, Dark Brandon. And I loved that. Love that image. Got to keep that. Because, look, you know, if, if ridiculous is what we're going to get, from the other side, if bizarre schemes and, and and insanity is what you get, you respond to that in the most mocking of terms. And I think, you know, arguing, you know, the, the Super Bowl or the deep state bowl, just like we drew it up. Good on him. Good on him. And, and look, this is what they're going to have to do more of. Call out stupidity by just going, look, this, this is just dumb. And a little, little trolling, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Uh, interesting, though. Got some responses over the uh, the big game. I enjoyed it. Had a good time. Uh, we you know we, we enjoyed watching the game. Uh, but the you know, the commercials were were some things that spurred some discussions in in my world. Uh, I, the the Robert Kennedy Jr. one. The the uh, uh, the the uh, when I saw it, I'm going. This is like political grave robbing. This is like digging up. You know, that's not you. <laughs> Uh, but basically, uh, dug up an ad from the past from uh, uh, from a successful campaign, and and added that uh, the the nineteen sixty presidential campaign. He Robert Kennedy Jr. came out and and apologized, uh, claiming that he had nothing to do with it. Uh, he tweeted out, "I'm sorry if the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain." The ad was created and aired by. The American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approval from my campaign. FEC rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. Uh, I love you all. God bless. And and look, do I believe him? I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not quite so sure, to be honest, because we've seen a lot of coordination that's supposedly illegal. Seem like it's it's there. Uh, between these super PACs and the candidates, which again is a reason I think you know we, uh, I think we, I think we got to get rid of them. I, I think we got to rein in the big money uh, that's in all this. And and look, uh, one of the things that that we saw on Super Bowl Sunday, seven million dollars for a thirty second ad, uh, seems like a lot of money. Seems like money could be spent a lot better. And one of the a couple of the ads that caught my my attention were, were the religious ones. Uh, I'm not quite sure why why God has to advertise during the Super Bowl or God Incorporated, but there they were spending millions of dollars. Um, and one of the groups that caught my attention 
was this uh, he he's like us thing um i I, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with a lot that he gets us ad campaign, which understand this, this, this is a group of folks who um, they want to bring, you know, religion back into the, in the mainstream, but not the kind of religion that, that they're talking about. And this is the weird thing for me because the moneyed interests are the, the, well, the less tolerant, so it's interesting to me that the people who are bringing us you know, this this Jesus loves thing, you know, Jesus washes everyone's feet, and Jesus is a, you know, a good neighbor and all of that stuff. Um, I'm struggling with man, uh, because look, I understand there is there's there's no hate like Christian love. When you hear a lot of these people talking about my God's bigger than yours, and then out of the other side of you know Jesus loves everyone, and then the well, go kill those others. I struggle. So if you're seeing $21 million spent on, on Super Bowl ads, I, one, think that they can pay taxes, most certainly. But two, and more importantly, if they're creating Jesus as a brand, uh, if, if this is now their, you know, their, if they're claiming he's a social influencer, um, how would Jesus spend $21 bucks? Because understand, or a billion for that matter, because this is, well... This is part of a billion-dollar campaign to get people back into the churches that they they themselves destroyed, and and they're they're playing the the chords of peace, love, and understanding, but I know that the money behind it, oddly enough, is what has torn us apart. So while they're talking about you know Jesus loved the unnoticed, the undervalued, and unwelcomed, um. These are the people who are saying a lot of the same people pushing the we need to slam the borders shut and we need to go after, well, those people. And I, I don't know, uh, the, the washing the feet video, uh, you know, Jesus washed the feet of friends and enemy uh, with no ego and no hate. He loved his neighbors asking the question how we can do the same. I'm not against the idea. How do we become better people? I got to tell you, I don't, mm, I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think of the Super Bowl ads? Good, bad? Did you watch them? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work... For America. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. Saving work in America, one show at a time. The Rick Smith Show. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. I gotta tell you, still, the, the deep state bowl was everything that we could have asked for, and then some. The only thing that would have been better if Travis Kelsey had caught the touchdown, but had he thrown it to himself and caught it to himself, uh, that would have been better. But the emails I've been getting today. Oh, oh, the fun, the entertainment. It's like people have nothing better to do. It's like there's no jobs to go to. It's like there's there's no kids to play with. Just nuts kind of stuff. But like I said earlier, I love the fact that Biden and the uh, the Biden team are, are trolling uh, just just like they do. Uh, just like this was, it was all written up as it was supposed to. And here to share some thoughts on the Deep State Bowl and maybe maybe some of the other fun and entertainment uh, we've been banging around. I've asked Chris Hahn to come talk with us. Chris is a syndicated radio host and host of the Aggressive Progressive podcast. You can find all of that at ChristopherHahn.com. Chris, 
Thanks for taking time for us. Anytime, man. How you doing? I'm good. So, what'd you think of the big, uh, the big deep state ball? Uh, well, it was just like we planned, exact, right? It was almost exactly as we planned it when we were sketching this out over the summer at Oprah's house. We were all hanging out. Uh, we were getting some pizza from that place that they like to shoot up, and uh, <laughs> we said, you know what? Why don't we get the most famous music star in the world? to date a guy who just went to the Super Bowl, and let's get him back to the Super Bowl, and then let's have him catch the game-winning pass, then get down on one knee and propose to Taylor Swift, and then she'd come out, endorse Joe Biden, and then they would both get a booster shot right there <laughs> in the end zone. But, of course, unfortunately, Trav, uh, you know, Mahomes wasn't in on it, and he threw the ball to somebody else and screwed us all up. Uh, but it was good, more than likely. So is this the other side of the deep state? Is this the deep state fighting within itself? Uh, I think that there is. Uh, there was some confusion <laughs> in the liner notes, and maybe people thought that she was going to be in Japan because she had that that concert, and the Super Bowl was a little late this year. I think when we were talking about this at Oprah's house, we thought the Super Bowl was going to be the week before, uh, so she wouldn't have that flight. So we were a little concerned that she might miss it, but we figured it out. Well, it's a good thing we were able to hold the Super Bowl back so she could get there. Yes. But you know, here's the, the thing that gets me, and I know we're making light of this. Uh, I find it ironic that the very people who tell me government can't do anything, it's all broken, they're all incompetent. By, by the way, by the way, Rick, there are people who heard me say that just now on your show, who heard me say similar things on other shows today that are actually thinking I mean it, <laughs> and they are... They are the worst kind of people. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even know how to get to them. I, I don't think we you don't. can. You don't. Uh, but like, I, I played football. Uh, I played in college. I played in high school. Um, when you strap those pads on, you are not reading from a script, right? You are, you, you're doing your plays. You're, you're running your routes. You're doing what you do. I, you know, fifty-seven yard field goal blocked. You know, how, how did the deep state, you know, get? Uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs to block a, an extra point. <laughs> well, this is all part of it. This is where I was going when I said, look, these are people who believe that uh, government can't do anything. They're incompetent. They're stupid. Right. And yet they the government can come up with these Rube Goldberg in, intricate schemes right yes. down to the extra point being the, 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 the pinnacle part of all this. It's Joe just, Biden's it's an funny old to me. fool. He's an, Joe Biden is an old fool who can't do anything yet he can plan this right somewhere along somewhere he had the time to plan this yes, yes of course and just course like he, he learned did. coding during the pandemic and was able to right. hack into all the all the voting machines i mean it it really it's laughable if it weren't so sad that people believe this that's the part that gets me it, it is so sad it is so so sad and it's so sad to me that you know, people would choose their vote, their rooting interests on this uh, based on, uh, you know, uh, their political affiliation. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Kansas City, the heartland. Uh, Cav Travis Kelsey grew up in Ohio. Uh, Taylor Swift was born in the South and raised in Pennsylvania and lives in Nashville. Uh, I don't know. Seemed pretty all-American apple pie to me. I don't know where we're going with this, yeah, right? The, the, the best part for me was all of my MAGA hat friends saying, well, we're going to root for, root for San Francisco. And I'm going, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> San Francisco? That's the team? Okay, great. I was hoping they would come I, out with I will say, I will say I was happy that the game I, – I, Brock Purdy, the quarterback on San Francisco, makes less money than many college quarterbacks. And he did have a very good game. And he is going to be a very rich man very soon, yeah. right? He is going to sign a two hundred million dollar deal, I would think, in the next couple of days. No, it was an entertaining uh, and, game. I, 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 you know, it was one of the better ones. I, I, I was, I was riveting. You know, and again, I was waiting for what the deep state was going to do next. I have a big party at my house. I only watched the second half because it's you know how these Super Bowl parties go. Um, everybody shows up before the game, stays till the halftime show, and then leaves. So I'm hosting a party. I'm holding back my dog. Uh, and you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of the first half, which was seemed to be a bit of a snoozer to me. Uh, but the, uh, the second half was pretty compelling and that overtime was awesome. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the game. Uh, and, and look, you know, the commercials were entertaining too. I mean, you, know, you had RFK jr. Uh, you doing some grave robbing or at least his super PAC doing a little, a little grave robbing, you know, digging up yeah. the, uh, 
the uncle there. You had the uh, uh, was the religious group opinion. throwing out some ads. I mean, it was, it yeah. was an entertaining. Two, two religious groups throwing out ads. Uh, two. You had the Jesus ad, and you had the uh, Scientology. I think Scientology had two ads. Yeah, I don't. I don't count them. Well, they're a religious group. You know. <laughs> I, no, I think they're more of a cult. Well, I, I'm. Uh, you know, look. I mean, I I believe in God. Uh, I grew up in the evangelical church, uh, but I'm I I. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that somebody's story is different than anybody else's. <laughs> it's just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think, it, you know, it, there's a God that created all of this. And I believe there is. I, I, I find it hard to believe that any of us would be able to understand that. No, no. Look, Surely not a guy who was who thought the world was flat. That's for sure. <laughs> so, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You know, oh, the world is flat. Oh, and I know how God works. Okay, no, you don't. No, I'm right <laughs> so. there with you. But you know, the weird thing is, is you know, you look at this past weekend, uh, with you know, with obviously the game, and then you had the uh, the, the Trump thing. Uh, you see, you know, saying basically, you know, don't pay your dues. We're gonna let Russia do yeah. whatever the hell they want, or anybody else. Uh, you know, you- it's a fake story when he starts out with, the leader came to me and said, "Sir, no, no, they did not." <laughs> that story never happened. Uh, you are a puppet of Vladimir Putin for saying it. Uh, wars have been started on this planet because people misjudge what uh, countries will do. Uh, Donald Trump does not understand global policy. He thinks that there are only two powers in the world, the U.S. and Russia. And that might have been true, you know, 30 years ago to an extent, but Europe has its own army. It's in fact, this, you know, the collective armies of NATO and Europe are the second largest army in the world, bigger than Russia, bigger than China. Uh, They spend more on their defense than anybody but the United States collectively. And should Vladimir Putin be under the impression that the United States would not get involved in a war in Europe to save our allies there, which believe me, we would, uh, and if he was president and held us back, I don't think he'd last as president much longer in that scenario. Um, you know, wars could be calculated for less, uh, could start it for, for, for worse mistakes. And this is why another one of, another one of the many reasons why Donald Trump can't be president. No, I'm with you. But it's, it was an interesting weekend and his comment, uh, that, that, that NATO comment, and then the, the Tucker Carlson interview, yeah. I'm not even going to call it an interview. I, it, the thing with Tucker Carlson and Putin you're basically lecturing him for two hours on that Ukraine doesn't exist and uh, basically wanting to go back to historical borders. Uh, it, it seemed like interesting that they went together uh, over the same period of time. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the deep state we should be looking at, right? Maybe that's the coordination we'd be looking at. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson's a useful idiot. Uh, it's plain and simple. Uh, and I, I know Tucker. I used to do TV with him. I, mean, I did TV with him for 10 years. Uh, and I saw him slowly drift into this madness conspiracy theorist that he's become. Um, he used to be a reasonable conservative that you could have a conversation with. And that those days are long over. If, if he doesn't know by now uh, that what he did in Russia was a huge mistake for him, uh, he will learn in the coming months because people are just going to start shunning this man. But he is, I mean, he's already been shunned by Fox News. Um, but but he's a useful idiot. Uh, he allowed himself to be used by uh, Vladimir Putin. And, he, you know, it's despicable that he would do that. And, and you know, thousands or maybe even millions of people saw that interview uh, and saw, you know, him portray Putin as a world leader, a sympathetic reasonable person which he is not he is a dictator who if a journalist uh crosses him will have that journalist killed if they are a political opponent he has you killed exiled your family you know uh hurt um you know you know giving him that platform look i do believe that western journalists should sit down with vladimir putin i do not believe that tucker carlson was acting uh as a responsible journalist in this situation. I, I'm not saying that we should not have some sort of uh, reporter doing a real earnest interview with the guy. Of course, Putin won't sit down with a reporter that would do the right kind of interview with him. So he sat down with Tucker. 
No, no. And this is what I was going to ask you. I'm glad you you brought that up because you know, would you would you have sat down with her? Uh, I'm not a journalist, so you know, I'd be the wrong person to sit down with him. I'm an opinion guy, right? Um, but so, I, so what you you're know, saying is you'd be flying out a window? Yeah, they'd kill me. I mean, I've got an opinion. I don't. I don't have a. I'm not a journalist. I'm the wrong guy to do it. I, I go in there with an opinion. Tucker went in there with an opinion. Uh, Tucker went in there with an opinion that this is not such a bad guy, right? Um, and and I, I, I'm sorry, Tucker's an opinion guy too. He is not a journalist either. He might want to pretend he is, but he's not. There are journalists in this world. Like send Christiana Amapour in there. Send Kelly Meyer in there. You know, send somebody in there that's a real journalist that would actually ask real hard-hitting questions to this man. Of course, doing it in Moscow uh, might be difficult for a real journalist. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it is, it, it, you know, I don't, I think what this guy did over the weekend, uh, the two of them, you know, frickin' frack, uh, they, they are, they're horrible. Uh, Trump, you know, his NATO quotes, um, you know, shooting at Nikki Haley because her husband's deployed. You know, I, I, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans got mad because Obama wore a tan freaking suit and said he disgraced the presidency and should resign for wearing a tan suit. Now they're falling in line. Fall, I mean, Marco Rubio's interview on Sunday on uh, on on uh, Jake Tapper's program. Yeah. You know, Marco Rubio is a stooge of Trump. He should just come out and say it because that's what he is. And he used to be a guy who challenged Trump. He used to be a guy who had his own worldview, and now he has subjugated his worldview for Donald Trump's. And and you would expect a guy like Rubio, who's had a career, to say, you know what? What this guy said about NATO over the weekend is wrong, and we'll push back on it. But that's not what he said. He, he gave this man room. He said, well, he's just trying to get them to pay their dues. And well, every, I, president I is trying, Chris, every president has tried to get them to pay their dues. That Well, that's not what this guy said. This guy said he'd let Russia run over them. If and would encourage it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other part of it. But, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I, I, in Rubio's defense, I, I guess I got to defend him a little bit. Um, look what's going on with James Langford. I mean, you know, James Langford is, you know, someone that I don't agree with very right. often. But the fact that he came out for this immigration bill and Trump didn't want it because it's not on his watch. Uh, and he's been censured by the Republican Party of Oklahoma. They censured him before they even read the bill. Exactly. So, you know, my, my point is, is it's not even the politicians because I've always viewed politicians as just tools to be used to get what we want. It's the Republican base. It's the voters. This idea that there are good Republican voters out there. Uh, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I'm just not buying it. I've anymore. been thinking about this a lot the last couple because I, you know, I, I won't get into why I've been thinking about it a lot because there's an election going on that I don't know when this airs. So, uh, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Why are these people who know better? I've traveled this country. I meet a lot of people on the other side of the aisle. I mean, I, again, I up until I started working for News Nation, I, I worked almost my, my national television career was all at Fox with a brief interlude at Current, but nobody watched Current. Um, I, people are always nice. They're nice to me. They're they're good people for the most part. Good meaning people. And they're following this guy. And, and I think that this is like a problem with loneliness and exclusion in America where people just want to be part of a club. And, and now they're part of this movement, they feel, this club, where all their social lives are now. They're surrounded by people who are like-minded. And at the center of this club is Donald Trump, this cult-like figure. And if you move against the, the cult-like figure... You can't be part of the club anymore. You disagree with the cult leader, you can't be part of the cult. And, it, you know, maybe calling a club is a little, a cult is a little harsh, but this is the social life of the people in that group. And I think that aging baby boomers who are starting to feel less relevant are more and more attracted to this group and this group think, and they see this as their, you know, social life. It's hard to make friends as an adult. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to tell you that. I, I I know that we're adults. You and I have become friends. Nice to see you. But it's it's hard it's hard to make friends when you're an adult. And this for a lot of people who are becoming more and more lonely and disconnected because of the way the world has moved so fast, they have found this movement. This is their thing. I don't think this exists without Trump. 
Um, for the most part, I mean, it's, they love his two-hour rants when he goes on stage. Um, I, I don't think anybody else could do that. Yeah, but his two-hour um, rants are, are incoherent most of the time, which is bizarre are, to me because they they're are, pointing at Biden, they, saying Biden's the old guy. Have you listened to a Trump that, speech? They are very incoherent, but I will tell you they are entertaining, especially if you are, you know, if you're in the an club. old you're an old guy who feels like he's losing his job because those people took it from him. Yeah. You're one of them. You love it. Uh, oh, I'm an old guy, and I used to be able to call my secretary a girl, and I can't anymore. And and now I I'm, I hear this guy talking about just like I would talk. And he's the president of the United States. I mean, it is, it's pathetic and sad, right? It's like from the line from uh, from uh, Breakfast Club: pathetic and sad, but social. Yeah. And that's what it is. It is pathetic and sad, but social. These are sad people who have nothing else going on socially in their lives and feel disconnected. And I don't know how to get them back. No, it's an interesting uh, I really view. Don't. No, I mean, look, because I look at people in my neighborhood who are flying the the F Biden flags, and these are people who go to church. Uh, I don't know why you would right. put that out in front of your house, but but there it is. And you know, they, oh, oh, they're the same people who got very mad when Biden said this is a big effing deal. Yeah, how dare he use that language? Exactly. And now they've got flags with it on it for kids to see as they walk by. These are the same people who said Howard Stern shouldn't be on the radio. What if a kid hears it? Yeah. The president of the United States was dropping F-bombs. That's I met a woman in Erie who had a big F Biden flag. And, and I said, you know, there are kids around here. And she goes, well, I didn't say it. I go, but they can read. Yeah, yeah, no, the kids can't read. Oh, no. it's crazy. Don't, don't, don't they I gotta, start reading at 18? Yeah. I got to get your thoughts on this before I let you go. Okay. Uh, evidently, there's some talk of Laura Trump being... Uh, the co-chair of the Republican National Committee. Are you hearing any of this? I, you know, it doesn't matter who's the chair of the Republican National Committee. Donald Trump is the chair of the Republican National Committee. I don't know who the co-chair will be. Ronan Romney McDaniels is leaving, from what I'm told. Um, so I don't know who the other chair is. I, it's going to be, look, everybody's like the veep steak. Who's going to be the vice president? It's going to be one of his kids. Uh, let, let's be very clear. He's not picking the governor of North Dakota, South Dakota to be his running mate. What does that get him? South Dakota, he's going to win, you know, 80 to 20, and it's three electoral votes. What? That's the one he's going to pick? He's going to pick Tim Scott? He's going to win South Carolina 80-20. Maybe not 80-20. Maybe it's 55-40. He's going to win it. He, he doesn't need those people. He needs loyalty. He needs somebody who will not enact the 25th Amendment. And who's that going to be? I don't know. Don Jr.? Eric? That just Ivanka? opens up a whole other world of, of, of not good possibilities. I, I am telling you right now, America, listening to the Rick Smith show, it's going to be somebody very close to Trump. It is not going to be some governor kissing his butt. Surely won't be Ron DeSantis. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be Rick Scott. It's more likely to be Nikki Haley than uh, Christy Nome. Yeah, no, and she would and sell her soul for it, I believe. Christy Nome, what does that get him? Nothing. She could be Secretary of the Interior if he wins. Gets <laughs> him nothing. There you go. Like, and Donald Trump is a guy who wants somebody who gives me something. Right? Is that transactional? You're right. That he wants in that job is is loyalty or a state. Spot on. Uh, Chris, I appreciate the time. As always, great stuff. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Chris Hahn, nationally syndicated radio host. Chris, thanks so much, buddy. Anytime. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, Rick, at com for our free speech TV audience. Thanks so much for being here. For everybody else, right back. Thanks for tuning in to The Rick Smith Show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rick Smith Show. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find all that and much more at thericksmithshow.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So... Came across an interesting series of tweets that uh, that grabbed my attention. And look, uh, we know that the anti-union, anti-worker forces, we know that they never stop. They never stop figuring out ways of attacking workers and their rights. But I, I came across this series of tweets talking about SpaceX and Trader Joe's and this, well, the potential of undoing, you know, 80 years of labor stability in this country or something close to it uh, with it with kind of a new newfangled legal theory uh, that I, I'm not quite sure how this is going to play out. That's why we've, we've asked our legal expert to come share some thoughts. Uh, Seth Goldstein is a partner at Julian Meyer signal and Goldstein. He represents uh, the Amazon labor union folks and the people over at Trader Joe's. So this, this, this is kind of a big deal. Seth, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you. So, Walk me through what this this new thing is. As as I get from your tweets, uh, this this anti-union law firm, big anti-union law firm, is filing uh, a, a charge in federal court uh, that the NLRB is unconstitutional. That's what's going on. Yes. Walk me through how that is. I mean, this is uh, you know seventy plus years of decided law, eighty years of of decided law. How now? Why now? Walk me through the argument. Because they simply want to destroy workers' rights. Um, so in Texas, a man named um, uh, Harry um, Johnson, who used to be on the NLRB as a Republican member, has filed on behalf of SpaceX and Elon Musk a lawsuit in South Texas, basically saying that the structure of the National Labor Relations Board and the NLRA is unlawful. They actually, in their footnote, request that the court overrule the Lockling case, which is a 1937 case that basically said that the NLRA and LRB are constitutional. So that's going on in Texas, and they're in the same court 
where a judge ruled um, last year that you couldn't mail um, certain um, anti-abortion medication, and that case went up to the Supreme Court. So they were what's called forum shopping. They were looking for the right court to bring this action, and they found it. It's a rural, rural court, and um, they've asked for a preliminary injunction to basically suspend the SpaceX case. Now, that case has to do with a group of employees that signed a letter, and so they're protected under what's called Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. They are not union workers. This this, this action deals with, with non-union workers. Simultaneously, Morgan Lewis, the same firm that was involved with SpaceX, has also, in a um, administrative law trial in Hartford, Connecticut, involving the Hadley store and Trader Joe's United, amended their answer and, as an affirmative defense, made the same argument that's being made in SpaceX. So different companies but the same law firm and the same arguments. Yeah, co coordinated arguments. And and look, you know, all to undo, you know, decided law, all to, well, destroy workers' ability to, to fight for better wages, hours, conditions. You know, what are the, what are, let's start with what are the chances that this happens? And let's say that it doesn't, that this is just more wheel spinning. What is this going to do to a movement of workers who right now there's some energy of people wanting NLRB elections and winning those elections uh, what what, is, what does this mean on both ends? Since Trader Joe's can't win an election democratically, they've lost four of them. They have now decided that they want to trash the whole um, of American labor and take away their right to organize. So today, just to let you know, to give you an update, we had collective bargaining in Oakland with Trader Joe's, and we asked the question five times, whether or not um, Trader Joe's agrees that the um, National Labor Relations Act is constitutional and the board has jurisdiction over the company. And they refuse to answer it five times. So this is a very serious threat. Also, during our contract negotiations, the employer refused to provide um, proposals on binding arbitration and just cause that would give our employees um, protection under the contract. So their answer was, well, you can file under law. However, if they're opposing the law and they say, oh, you have the right to strike. And then if we get our members get fired striking under their scenario, the board doesn't have any constitutionality to put them back to work. So this is very dangerous. This is new. They used to fight us um, and then accept you know, they would, would file, fight up to federal court, but now they intend on going to the Supreme Court on this issue. And with this Supreme Court, um, I don't know that anything's, anything's secure. I don't know anything's safe. Uh, I know Roberts, you know, during his confirmation said he believed in decided law and, you know, starry decisis and he was only going to call balls and strikes. Uh, but there have been some interesting balls and strikes called during his tenure of overturning decided law. So this could... This could cause chaos in employment law in this country, couldn't it? Absolutely. So theoretically, in the next weeks or months, if this judge makes a ruling in favor of a preliminary injunction that's been brought by Morgan Lewis on behalf of SpaceX, every employer that has the ability to do so will be filing injunctions in federal court to stop the legal proceedings of the National Labor Relations Board. Also, if they win the preliminary injunction, they may then seek restitution on the employees that already got awards because they would argue that it's ill-gotten gains, that they should have gotten it, that it's unconstitutional. So how can they get the money? So they'll go after the employees. That will chill any type of activism and I believe that we need to get the word out to everyone because this is very dangerous. There are very dark forces at work. I believe it's the Federal Society is involved in this. I believe probably Heritage Foundation is. And um, I also think that, you know, some of the other right wing 
groups are involved. They think that Donald Trump is going to get real um, elected. They they think that they'll get a their person on the board. Maybe they'll get another Morgan Lewis attorney uh, on the NLRB. By the way, I will tell you that in the last 10 years, two of the senior partners of Morgan Lewis were chairman of the NLRB. That's John Ring and Philip Camara. And I don't see them giving back their salary because they work for an unconstitutional agency. So the hypocrisy is just great. Yeah, but at the end of this, this this could be destructive in so many ways. And my mind immediately goes to, you know, all of this activity that's happening, all of yep. the, you know, the, the, the elections at Trader Joe's and Starbucks and, you know, all of this stuff, the, the Amazon, uh, you know, push, all this stuff could come to a screeching halt just to decide a question that's been decided for decades. Right. Well, they're, they're, they're weaponizing separation of powers. That's their argument. The Chevron doctrine, which is being decided by the court. And they're basically going to tear apart, not just the national labor relations board, but they'll go after the fair labor standards act next ERISA, OSHA. It's not going to stop with a single um, agency. They want to destroy all the agencies because they don't believe in the administrative state. You know, I talk quite often about the uh, the Lochner era and, you know, the this idea of liberty of contract and that you, you can make no law to protect workers because, well, it's your choice. That same theme keeps popping up time and time again. Only now, instead of liberty, we're using freedom. You have the freedom to be exploited. Um, this is all part of that whole scheme that these right-wing think tanks funded by billionaires have been have been pushing for decades and now thanks to trump and thanks to you know a lot of the people he's packed the courts with uh it seems like this is potentially possible it is possible and i've been warning about that since amazon when um amazon contested the election that they lost by 10 percent. i mean basically employers love democracy until they lose and in in both cases, they've lost elections, and now they want to backdoor um, Lochner by arguing. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, the other side of this, then. Doesn't have any power. Um, you know, and let me ask you the last line of questioning I got on this, because uh, obviously something has to be done. Uh, can this be stopped? How, how do you see this being stopped? And, you know, do elections matter in this in this world? Of course they matter, and people should get out and vote, um, you know, for uh, policies that are pro-worker. Uh, Jennifer Bruzzo has been a great general counsel for the National Labor Relations Board, and if you want those policies to continue, you, you can't complain. You have to go out and vote. Um, so elections do matter. Also, people need to be aware of what the extreme right wing is doing. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your due process. They want to basically make our, make us serfs in their economy. And um, I don't understand um, why this should not be a pressing issue for people to galvanize and say, you're not taking my rights away. Otherwise, workers will have no rights at the workplace. It'll be like it's 1920, 100 years ago. How come we're only now just hearing about this, Seth? I mean, I, I saw it from you. How come the AFL-CIO, how come, you know, other unions aren't aren't front and center with this? Because this seems like this seems like a big freaking deal. Because I think that the right wing tries to make it some type of too constitutional issue that people don't understand and people's eyes glaze over when what they're really doing is trying to take away your rights. Um, I think it's been under the radar. I know that the AFL has been involved in it. They've been very supportive. But um, I think that it's up to all of us to be discussing this and to still organize. Um, just because this is happening, we shouldn't stop organizing. We should put our acceler you know, foot on the accelerator and do everything we can to make sure that um, we, we continue unionizing. So we shouldn't look at this as something that is um, a catastrophe. We need to make sure that worker power is felt, that we're union strong. There you go, Seth. I appreciate you taking some time. I hope you'll come back and, and fill us in more on how this is playing out uh, and keep us up to date on, on what's going on. Thank you. 
Appreciate the time. Seth Goldstein, partner at Julian Meyer Singler and Goldstein, uh, one of the Amazon labor union attorneys and Trader Joe's as well. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, Rick at the Rick Smith show dot com. Does this is this of concern? Should this be something we're organizing around and getting ticked off about? Will this finally make workers go, hey, bridge too far? I want to hear your thoughts. Rick at the Rick Smith show dot com. Right back. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work... For America. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Check out our website, thericksmithshow.com. So, you know, look, this is a big deal. Um, and, and I don't know that, that it came through as well as I wanted it to. So I got I gotta go back through this. Because the argument that's being made here is 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 unique in that you know, you go back I think you know, 35 uh, the NLRA's passed. It, make, it makes it through the the, the the Supreme Court. It's ruled constitutional. And for generations, it is the law of the land. It's how employment law is done. Now, there's there's a couple of ways of looking at this. Okay, fine. Uh, what the NLRA was, the National Labor Relations Act, it was a peace treaty because workers at the time were literally tearing the country apart. My grandparents' generation were in the streets, literally tearing the country apart, and and this was a this was the peace treaty. Uh, these were people who came back from World War II and said, "We're not going to be hungry anymore." These are people who fought fascism overseas and said, "We're not going to put up with the dictatorial boss in the workplace. We want better," and they fought for it in the streets, and this was. The compromise, this is what was to get people to come back to the table, to talk, to bargain, and to, to, to negotiate locally. No strong-arm tactics from the, over, from the federal government. Encourage collective bargaining. Encourage both sides to sit down at the table and negotiate. Well, that worked out really well for working people. We created the largest, most prosperous working class in the history of civilization. And from that point forward, conservatives, business interests, the mil- the billionaire class, our wealthy, along with some, some corporate Democrats, have done everything in their foolhardy best to destroy that and to take it away. And this, this is the next iteration. Understand, you know, these, these right-wing think tanks, of which there are one, there's one in every state in this country, well-funded, well-staffed with the, with the best minds that, that corporate money can, can buy, thinking up bad ideas all the time, this being part of it. Now, I don't think this is a new idea. I think they just have said, you know, hey, the time is right. We've got corporate judges. We've got these activist judges who, well, they're really not worker-friendly. So they've come up with this idea saying, look, you know, it, um, because the president uh, approves the, uh, the, the people on the, uh, on, on the NLRB and can remove them because of the administrative law judges, well, that's unconstitutional. Uh, it's, it violates our right to a, a trial by jury, which I got to tell you, I don't know that works out well for them. You get a jury full of angry working people. I'm not sure that's what they want, but this is their argument. And it also they're arguing that it violates the separations of powers, uh, that the NLRB combines executive branch power with judicial power to make rulings and legislative functions to, to set the rules. Uh, they're arguing that, well, this is a separation of power thing, instead of what, it, what the main intention was. Now, look, they were against it from the beginning. There's nothing new here. Uh, they've been against every step forward for working people ever. And I'm not just being hyperbolic and making this up. You go back and you read about the Lochner era. You go back and you read about, you know, the, the 1905 Bake Shop Act in New York and, and, and how, you know, they tried to limit the number of hours that, that bakers uh, compelled their employees to work. 
you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week in hot, horrible conditions. And when they made this rule, you had this, this guy, Joseph Lochner, a, bake, a bakery owner, who continually violated it and took the case to the Supreme Court. And in 1910, they came up with this idea that of liberty of contract. If those workers want to work 100 hours a week in deplorable, desperate conditions for poverty wages, it's their right. It's their liberty. And I say this all the time. You know, they want to put us back into that desperation mindset. They want to put people back in their place. And we heard that after the pandemic. where you had that guy from Australia basically saying, we need unemployment. We need pain and misery to put those workers back where they belong, under our thumb. This is all part of this. And again, this is why elections matter. Elections have consequences. Working people voting for Republicans, for me, has always blown my mind because Republicans hate working people. Look at what they do. Now, Democrats haven't always been the greatest friend of the working class person either, which is why you vote them bums out, too. And you find people who are going to going to ensure that workers get a fair shake. This is not that. And the moneyed interests are doing everything they can to push this this narrative that, you know, those are those are outdated rules. Um, you know, I saw a National Review article that caught my attention uh, that uh, was titled The Resurgence of Organized Labor is Media Spin because workers aren't really organizing. You know, all of the, the act, all the all the strikes and all the activity that we're seeing, it's all a media construct. And look, the article is not wrong in its premise that because of how we run union elections and because how hard it is for workers to get contracts, density has actually fallen while the number of people organizing has gone through the roof because of how outdated our laws are and they want to go and break them even further. Now understand what this is about. While there's all of this energy and all this activity and and the bigger part, uh, Jennifer Abruzzo, the 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 head uh, over there at the NLRB, a Biden appointee, she has been doing what the mission of the NLRA is, to encourage workers to join and form unions, to collectively bargain for better wages, hours, and conditions. That's the mission of the, the board. That's what, they're supposed, that's what they're supposed to be doing. And she is doing that, and they don't like it. They don't like it one bit. They don't like having to spend money on union-busting legal firms. That's money that's coming out of their pocket. Now, they'll do it. Oh, boy, will they. Look at how much money Amazon spent in Bessemer, Alabama, to fight back against the union there. They will spare no expense to hold on to their power. It's not really about the money. It's about the control. And this is where, you know, I come back to what they're doing is they're trying to take power and control away from we the people and they've done a masterful job of it through their corporate controlled media and their their right-wing uh, echo chamber they do a masterful job of divide and conquer and they do a masterful job of divide and conquer in the workplace as well and and this is where i keep saying if we're going to reunite this country we've got to reunionize and they understand that they completely understand it, which is why they come up with this. Now, uh, why Texas? Why go to Texas, which is a, a no rights at work state, has a fairly un low union density? Well, because it's an easy court. Uh, this is the rocket docket. This is the hurry up and sprint it to the Supreme Court. This is the hurry up and move this in a way that they get what they want uh, so that they can end up in the Fifth Circuit. They end up going to the Supreme Court. And now, thanks to a Trump Supreme Court, thanks to all of the working people who put him into office, well, this Supreme Court that decided the Janus case that said, sorry, you public sector workers, uh, you, you don't have uh, the ability to ensure in your workplace that everyone pays into the union dues, that you don't, you don't get to fund your union. We're going to neuter you and make it a no rights at work country for people in the public sector. That's what they did. And do you think this court, this Supreme Court, with people like Sam Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, 
Amy Coney Barrett? John Roberts, do you think that there's anything that they won't overturn? Any bit of legacy of this country that that they won't overturn to fit their ideological aims? The answer is no. There is nothing. They will continue. And we, you, me, us, we better figure out how to stop this. We better figure out which which way we're going. Now, look, you know, I've done organizing over the years. And I remember some of the, you know, the horror stories of being out there and dealing with employers who will come flat out and tell you, you know, we're, we're never giving you a contract. You're getting nothing from us. We will fight every every opportunity. We will we will stall. We will delay. We will break the law. And understand the laws are so weak that if you're if you're one of the union busting attorneys. It's almost political malpractice for you not to tell your your client to break the law. Because the punishment is, is simple. Promise not to do it again. Post the dreaded notice. There's no, we're going to impose bargaining on you. There's no, we're going to ensure that there's a contract. There's none of that stuff. There's promise not to do it again until you do it again. And then maybe there's a fine. Maybe there's something. But that's way down the road and costly and difficult to prove. And all of this stuff, understand, is, is yeah, they want to win. They they want to win this issue. And they may. Who knows? I, I, given the Supreme Court, anything is possible. But more importantly, it's about stalling and delaying. It's about spinning the wheels. And I learned that firsthand doing organizing. You get these union-busting lawyers in there. It is everything's about about dragging it out. Everything's about taking longer and longer and getting working people frustrated, keeping them on edge, keeping them fearful. Because along with this stall and delay tactic come a lot of harassment and intimidation. This is this is the union busting playbook. This is what the Republican Party just loves to get behind because, well, those unions are bad. And what's weird is I know a lot of good union members who vote for Republicans. I can't figure out why, given the fact that you see what you see, what their think tanks, you see what their handiwork does. And it's this kind of stuff. Now, I, I'm struggling that that this isn't a bigger issue. I'm struggling that that there aren't a lot of unions who are you know making making this front and center to their members going, hey, look. This is what they're arguing. They're arguing that you shouldn't exist. And all of the benefits that you get, all of the things that that have made your life better, they're going to destroy. They pay these think tank folks huge money to dream up bad ideas on how to hurt you and me. They don't they don't they didn't create an entire an incestuous web of bad ideas to benefit you and me. They did it to benefit themselves. And what better way to benefit the the wealth class of this country than to destroy the one, the one mechanism that working people have to level the playing field. The one mechanism that working people have to make lives better. The one mechanism that they can fight for, for, for equality, for a voice, for justice. Yeah, it's that powerful. And while most working people don't realize that, the people who are funding this stuff, they do. And I go back to something my grandfather always said. If a rich guy is going to tell you, uh, spend a buck to tell you you don't need something, you better spend two to get it. Because they understand return on investment. They didn't become rich people by just throwing money away. No, no. Uh, they didn't become rich by by giving money away without, without there being a payback on the other end. And here, the payback, the payback is power. The payback is control. The payback is massive profits. And the question for you and me is, are we okay with that world? Are we okay to return to the Gilded Age? Well, even worse than it is today? I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. If you missed any portion of the program, grab the podcast. Wherever you find your favorite podcast, you'll find ours. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you back here next time.
been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick, Email Rick. at rick at thericksmithshow.com. Until next time, this has been The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.